Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. It is a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. We will be in Berea on Tuesday. The Browns will have their first availability of, of their offseason program, which started today. Mary Kay, it's a big day on NFL Twitter for guys walking through parking lots, guys walking indoors, guys waving to cameras. Uh, we saw Deshaun Watson, of course. Uh, up here and, and uh, a number of other Browns players uh, showing up to the team's facility. So obviously some folks wanted to ask about the offseason program, which starts today. Uh, now, we're not going to get to actually see any on-field work. They, they actually aren't allowed to do on-field work for the first couple weeks, and then they do walkthroughs, and then we'll, we'll get to see some on-field week during OTAs in phase three, which is about a month from now. Uh, but let's start here, Mary Kay. Anise Barner from Toledo, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, what are some things you will be paying attention to during the off-season program? There actually will be a lot of things that I will be looking at when the off-season program begins, when we can actually get out there and watch some of those OTAs and watch that mini camp. I'm really anxious to see some of the new guys. Probably the first one is Elijah Moore. I want to see Deshaun Watson and Elijah Moore, how they are connecting, uh, you know, how, how they are hooking up on, you know, some of the, the shorter routes, the longer routes. Uh, I'm very, very anxious to see how he integrates into this offense, how he fits into the plan. Usually they pass the eyeball test right away when they're really, really good. And, you know, I can't wait to get that first impression of Elijah Moore. So that's probably number one for me. Um, but I will be watching the rest of the over, sort of the overhauled passing game uh, in terms of Marquise Goodwin being out there, Jordan Aikens also being out there. Uh, so that that's huge. And then, of course, the defense. My goodness, uh, just the defensive tackle spot alone. Uh, you're looking at a number of new bodies there in terms of Dalvin Tomlinson, Maurice Hurst, Tristan Hill. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, a lot of guys that are going to go in there and try to, uh, get in the rotation and make an impact next to Dalvin Tomlinson. You got some guys coming back. You're going to have to see how they fit into the plan in terms of Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiai. You've got Perry on Winfrey and some trouble with the law right now. Where's that all going to go? Um, so yeah, just how is Deshaun looking? How are things going to be a little bit different? These are some of the things. I, th- I think the eyeball test is always the the most fun, um, and, and like you know, unfortunately, we aren't going to get eyeballs on everyone for about a month here. You know, there's going to be some guys we see 
on Tuesday when um, when we get to talk to a few players. But um, we're not going to get to see everybody. But I was thinking like one guy in particular that the Browns actually tweeted out a photo of walking in was Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. I'm curious. Like, I'll be honest. I'll admit. I kind of looked at the photo. And I'm like, huh, does he look a little bigger this year? And, you know, so it's it's things like that, you know, too, that I, I want to see how does JOK look this year? How does, you know, how do certain guys look? You know, does Nick Chubb look bigger somehow? You know, how does Miles Garrett, look? you know, all of this stuff. Just the eyeball test is such a big piece of this to just see how guys' bodies have changed or if they haven't changed or, um, you know, things like that. You know, it's funny because I looked for that very same thing when I looked at that JOK tweet. I was looking to see, did he put a little bit of weight back on? And it looks to me like he has. It's hard to tell, you know, in a photo like that. Um, I think we'll be able to better tell when we can actually see them in person. Uh, but he does look a little, maybe slightly bigger than last year. He got a little bit lean there. And uh, they probably did ask him to put on a little tiny bit more weight. So that was one thing that, uh, that I had my eyes on as well. Um, and then the other thing tomorrow is even though we don't get to watch these guys condition or practice or do any of those sorts of things, we are supposed to talk to Greg Newsom. He is right now on the schedule to talk to us. And I think we're all kind of anxious to hear what he has to say about the events of the off season, beginning with him answering capital N O to a fan wondering if he was willing to play inside again. And then it just kind of went on from there, snowballed a little bit to the point where, uh, you know, someone reported that he wanted to be traded. He denied the report and, uh, and here he is showing up for the off season program. And we want to hear what he has to say about his role and playing inside and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, he's got a great chance to kind of clear everything up on that front and, and just kind of make make clear what he hopes he can do, maybe what conversations he's had. And, you know, we're going to get a chance to ask Kevin questions. Now, Kevin doesn't like to tell us anything, uh, but we're going to get a chance to, to ask him some stuff. And I'm, I'm curious who else we're, we're going to get to talk to. And, you know, it should be noted, too, at the end of the week, we, we will hear from Andrew Barry on Friday in his pre-draft press conference. And again, like most of these pre-draft press conferences, they don't tip off much, but it is still an opportunity to ask about, you know, if this Perrion Winfrey situation is still on, like, you know, what's going on there? You know, what are your plans there? Um, you know, that's something that'll come up tomorrow with Kevin too, I'm, I'm sure. So it's kind of things like that. It's getting caught up on, you know, getting to ask some of these guys some questions we haven't gotten to ask because we haven't gotten them since the combine. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, Dan, wasn't it weird looking at, you know, like you said, some of those guys coming into the building and showing up in the in the parking lot and waving to the cameras and stuff like that? It's really uh, it really starts to feel like the offseason and, you know, like football is starting to be here. It feels really, really close now that, that once they show up in the building, it goes really, really fast between now and then getting to training camp. It just goes lightning quick. Because you've got the offseason program, and then you move into, and you have some availabilities there. Then you move right into the draft. Then you move right into rookie mini camp. Then you have a, a couple of other, you know, availability days. Then you go into uh, full squad mini camp in June, and it's a shortened, abbreviated offseason uh, for the Browns this year because they have to show up a week earlier than everybody else. So it's it's happening, Dan. It's here. 
Right. And even with the abbreviated off season, it's going to feel like training camp gets here fast just because of, you know, they are starting earlier with, uh, you know, with the Hall of Fame game playing four preseason games. It's it's going to get here quickly. And I always feel like this doesn't feel like the start of football season necessarily. I, I still kind of feel like training camp is always kind of like, all right, here we go. Time to time to lock. But this is like okay, now it starts to feel normal, right? Because you're interviewing guys, you're you're at the facility, you're, inter- you're you know, you're, like I said, in, in, a, in about a month, we're going to be watching practice. It does start to, f- you, you kind of start to get back into football mode again, as opposed to off-season mode. Yeah, and it's just like, how do you wake up and it's April, like mid-April? Like, what, like where did that happen? I think the, the off-season itself goes so fast because, uh, well, you know, I went out to the Super Bowl in Phoenix and then you saw I was out there for a week, then uh, came home, turned right around, went out to the NFL owners meetings, then come home from there, go to the NFL combine. And it just goes so fast. It just keeps going and going and going. And here we are, players back in the building and free agency. I mean, free agency is just a fast and frenzied period. And, um, you know, so there really is not that much downtime, you know, really, you know, from, for us and, and here they are, they're back and, you know, it's, it's almost go time again. It just really starts to feel real at this point. And just to pull back the curtain here, one of the the big stressors for me as this, as a season ends is thinking about this podcast and like, what are we going to talk about until the off season pro and lo and behold, we always have things to talk about with this football team. There are always topics. There are always things to get into, but don't worry. Once again, mid January next year, I'll be sitting here wondering, Oh my God, what are we going to start talking about on the podcast? Now we got months and months to fill. Uh, it's just a vicious cycle. All right. Let's talk some expectations here. Phil Knopp from Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Mary Kay, what does, what does the Browns management team believe is a successful season for Deshaun Watson in 2023? Well, leading the team to the playoffs, that's the, uh, you know, that's the number one goal for everybody on this football team, but they don't just want to be one and done. I mean, they, they, they have big plans. I don't know if we will hear Super Bowl the way we have in the past over and over repeatedly. Um, but I think, um, I think that is going to be the vibe. I mean, it should be the goal for everyone heading into at this point in the season in April. If you're not really thinking that, you know, that then that's the goal, then why are you here? So I do think we probably will hear some of that. I know that's what uh, that's what Deshaun has on his mind. I know that's what the Browns have on their minds. Um, I do think that the bar is set very, very high at not only playoffs, but winning some playoff games. Now, will they make it as far as they want to go? Don't know about that, but I, I certainly don't think that anybody would be satisfied with just making the playoffs and losing in the wild card round. I think people want... These Cleveland Browns, I think the management, the coaching staff, and the players, they want to get into those playoffs and they want to make some noise. Is is that ultimately how you think people will judge Deshaun Watson's season? Like if they go if they go nine and eight and maybe they for they miss the playoffs because of wild card, but he like leads the league in passing yards or something, like he did a couple like he did a few years ago. Would that be considered as a successful season for Deshaun Watson, or does it have to come with winning at a high level? It has to come with winning at a high level. I mean, you you don't go out there 
and put your fan base through this controversial acquisition, pay him all that money, give up three first round draft picks. If you don't expect to make the playoffs, the expectations are extremely high. I got that vibe from Jimmy Haslam at the NFL annual meeting where again, he did not provide or give an ultimatum to Kevin Stefanski or, or anyone else, but it was abundantly clear what he was talking about. Everyone expects this team to make the playoffs this year. Everyone will be profoundly disappointed if they don't. Okay, so that kind of leads into this question then from Greg in Indianapolis. Hey, Mary Kay, what do you see as the ceiling and the floor for this team as far as the number of wins this year? Uh, now, he sees eight as the floor and 11 as the ceiling. What, what would you put as like a ceiling and, and floor on this team? You know, that I mean, that's a really good, you know, that's a really good range. It's not a super tough schedule this year, and that always helps. Um, but you never really know heading into it quite exactly how other teams are going to be. Um, but it's, you know, it's not supposed to be one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. And I think that really does play a huge role. So, you know, I think it's the ceiling could be a little higher. I mean, with 17 games, I would probably put the ceiling closer to 12. Um, and then uh, the floor, yeah, the floor can't go lower than eight. My goodness, if they're if they're not winning eight games, then heads would roll, I would think. I mean, they, they've got to win more than eight games this season with all the talent on this football team. I mean, if they only win eight games and there's not a, a clear reason, like a, a significant injury to like a Deshaun Watson or a Miles Garrett or something, if they only win eight or if they win nine and don't make the playoffs, I think there's probably going to be some people at least – feeling a little squeamish uh, around the facility the day after the season ends, because I mean, I, I mean, you just talked about it in the answer about Deshaun. the expectations are, are, and should be high for this team. Absolutely. 100%. You do not go through all of this and spend all of that money uh, to end up with an eight or nine win season and missing the playoffs. I mean, when you think about it, when you think about the enormous amount of money paid out to a lot of guys, we're not just talking about Deshaun Watson. We're talking about uh, two other guys in their 20s, not just double-digit millions, but a two in front of that, and that's Miles Garrett and Amari Cooper. Uh, then you've got a number of guys in, in double-digit millions with a one in front of it. Uh, those guys include the likes of, well, actually – Denzel Ward is in the uh, in the twenty million dollar a year group as well. So there's three of those, and then you've got the Joel Batonios and the Wyatt Tellers and and that whole group. Um, you know, David Njoku, Delvin Tomlinson. You know, those guys in sort of the you know the mid teens, double digits, and um, and you know this is not a roster built to sit at home in, in January. It's just not, I mean, this is a ton of money and Jimmy Haslam is not going to be happy if they don't make the playoffs this year. He is not going to be happy at all. And you know, when you, when you talk about all that money, it's, it's worth noting too, that the Browns regularly lead the league or near, or or near the top of the league in cash spending. So like, forget salary cap, forget, you know, yearly. I mean, we're talking like actually handing out money. Um, the Haslam's are usually near the top of the league and how much they're they're And this was even before Deshaun Watson. They're normally near the top of the league and how much cash they're spending. And I know that Andrew Barry at the combine mentioned that as sort of a, you know, when they, when they kind of lay out their off season, that's one of the things they consider is cash spending, not just salary cap. So um, 
that that allows them to maneuver the cap. And so when that when you're spending that much money, like that much real money, you you got to see results at some point. Yeah, I mean, just Deshaun Watson alone, again, he's going to get the whole $230 million because obviously it's fully guaranteed. But when they redid his contract so that they could add other players, uh, they they gave him a restructure bonus of $44 million, almost $45 million in a restructure bonus. Um, that's a lot of money to hand over to someone. That is backing up the Brinks truck. Um, so, that you know, that's that's a huge deal. But they do have... Uh, a lot of a lot of cash going out to these guys, and that is a function of wanting to win. Now they are not messing around uh, at almost every single position. They have some big name, high priced players, and they have added. You know, they added I think twelve new free agents, and then they signed a handful of their own guys. Uh, but just going out and signing twelve new guys in free agency alone before you even get to the draft where you have eight draft picks, I mean that's a significant turnover uh, in your roster because you expect most of those free agents to make the team, right? I mean most of those guys that you signed and you gave that money to, you expect those guys uh, to be around. So you're looking at a significant turnover in your roster this year, and. Uh, and, you know, they needed to pay off. They really, really do need it to pay off. They paid, you know, some pretty big money to Juan Thornhill, Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, this is not a year to, uh, you know, to just kind of throw it away. This is get some business done. Okay, let's take a break here, and then we'll turn our attention to the draft and uh, some other questions that uh, our Football Insider subscribers had here on a Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, a Hey Mary Kay edition. All these questions coming from our Football Insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, to become one of our tech subscribers, which is where we get these questions, uh, get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day, and also uh, get access to those exclusive stories at cleveland.com slash Browns. All right, one of our regulars, Mary Kay, Tom Bays in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey Mary Kay, what would be the most unexpected surprise move Andrew Barry could make either in or before the draft? Um, I would say to add a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. That, that would, right? I mean, that would probably surprise me if he, because they have said they're happy with, with Joshua Dobbs. So if they went out and maybe, you know, acquired a Teddy Bridgewater or something like that, or, or if they drafted a quarterback in the third round, that would surprise me. That's probably one thing I'm not expecting to happen, which of course means it probably will happen now. But um, but yeah, that's um, that's probably the most unexpected thing in my mind. They seem to be happy with what they have. They've got Joshua Dobbs. They've got Kellen Mond. They want to go into the season uh, with Joshua as the number two. They feel good about it. I don't know if it necessarily is the right decision to go into the season without an experienced veteran quarterback, but they're comfortable with it. So here they go. Yeah. I think anything other than a core, like I could see him taking a quarterback in like the seventh round. If there's a guy, mm-hmm. they just want to take a flyer on and stash somewhere. Like, I guess I could see something like that, but yeah, if they signed somebody or drafted somebody on day one or two, or even early day three, that would be like, Whoa, what's going on? Maybe they don't believe in Josh Dobbs and Kellen Mond as much as they've told us they have. Um, 
I would say I would be surprised if they made a like huge trade up in the draft. I could see them moving up, you know, maybe somewhere in the fifties is probably where I would cap it. But like if somehow they pulled together something that got them into like the first round. So like Thursday night, we're scrambling because all of a sudden the Browns are on the clock. That's something, especially considering they've already given up a second this year already. Um, they, they, it would take a lot still to move up from where they are. So that would be something that I think would surprise me, like a significant trade up into like the late first or super early second round. Yeah, I think so. Because when you go out and you sign all of these free agents and you fortify your roster at pretty much every single position, there are no glaring holes right now. Like I'm not looking uh, at this roster and thinking, geez, how are they going to get the right tackle job done? Or how are they going to accomplish linebacker? Or what are they going to do at safety? I mean, it's not like that at all. I mean, they have set this up so that they don't really need anything in the draft. If they had to go into this season with what they have, and really essentially they spent their second round pick for the most part on Elijah Moore. Uh, They spent their first round pick in part on Deshaun Watson. Um, So they they just don't really need anything out of this draft. And all of these players, if it it turns out this way, they can be developmental guys. They, They can be guys that, you know, work their way into some kind of a rotation over time. Doesn't have to, they're not going to be hard pressed to get in there and knock over the world. So I don't think they're going to give up a bunch to go out and try to move up, up for something because there's no pressing need. And I don't think that they want to disrupt what they have right now for the most part. I mean, they've really worked hard to build this roster to the point where they do feel that they can contend and go deep into the playoffs. And now for them, it's not the time to start casting guys aside. Do you think they'll make eight picks? Because sort of to the point you were making, like the roster is kind of where it is. There aren't glaring holes. Like you don't need a kicker this year, right? Like you needed a kicker last year. There were certain areas where you needed to at least take shots and draft guys. And there are some needs, but they're kind of like, okay, third edge rusher or, you know, they're think their depth needs more than anything. Um, do you, I, I just think it's hard to find room for eight guys on this roster that you drafted. Um, so I just wonder how many picks they're actually going to make. Yeah. You know what? I suppose it could go either way because uh, I do think that it would be hard to find room for eight guys on the 53 man roster. But there's so much flexibility nowadays with the practice squads that, you know, you can probably uh, count on keeping three, at least three of them potentially on your practice squad. Uh, Some of those later round picks, if you end up making them. Now, I don't think they love to make seventh round picks, and I think they'll try to not have to if they don't have to. Um, But I do think that you know, there is a chance that they could make all eight just because they love to, you know, have developmental guys for down the road. Um, but as you mentioned there, you know, there is a chance that, you know, they've got two in the third, two in the fourth, two in the fifth, you, you know, and the four, is it the fifth round that they're r- real close together? Um, so, you know, you can package some of these picks and try to move up a little bit, especially when you have like two in the same round. Uh, so, you know, you can, you know, bunch those together and try to move up a little bit. I could see them doing that. 
or they can move back. I mean, move back, like mm-hmm. take some picks and kick them back a year. You know, if they, hey, we made a fourth round pick here, let's you know go get us a fourth for next year, something like that. Or maybe you turn them into a second next year. I don't know. There, it just seems like there's going to be some wheeling and dealing that they're going to do uh, because finding that room for eight players is is a challenge. And look, Andrew Barry loves his picks. He loves having draft picks down the road to to play with. So. Um, if, if he can do that, I'm sure he'll, he'll try to do that. Uh, okay. Let's see here. This there's a, so there's a question about left tackle. And of course the Browns have a decision coming up on left tackle that doesn't feel like it's going to be much of a decision, but Jim in Zanesville, Ohio says, Hey, Mary Kay, I've always been concerned about the Browns left tackle situation. It is a position that you cannot just get by with being average. And in Jim's opinion, the Browns left tackle is below average. Will they address this position in the draft or are they not concerned? You know, I do think they have to get to the point where they might want to think about uh, another backup tackle or maybe a a backup left tackle of the future, perhaps. Uh, But I think that, you know, the plan right now is for them to, pick up Jed Will's fifth-year option at $14.75 million, which is not an exorbitant amount for a good starting left tackle. I think they they can afford to do that, and they would pay him that in 2024. Um, So I I could see them doing that and then buying themselves some time to see if he takes that step up again this year and to see if under the guidance of Bill Callahan, you know, he can really – uh, add to his game and really be what they need him to be to get that big contract. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that um, I think it could go either way, but they really have been speaking very highly about the progress that he made last year, even though he didn't grade out well, according to pro football focus, uh, they liked a lot of what they saw. And, um, and I think they want to stick with him at least for the time being. So we'll see the fifth year picked up. That has to be done by May 1st. So that's going to happen anytime uh, in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, and then they will go from there. And, it, you know, part of it too with, with Jed is they've invested so much elsewhere in the line too, that having a guy there who's still on his rookie deal for, you know, another year that's pretty cheap. And then that fifth year, I mean, relative to left tackle money, isn't going to be huge. I mean, there's value in that, especially if you think he's developing and think he's growing and, you know, not not every left tackle is going to be Joe Tom Joe Thomas, who's going into the Hall of Fame. If he can just you know show some steady improvement and show that he can be a guy you can rely on, um, you, you know, you can get by with that at least for a couple more years. Yeah, and again, the um, the fifth year options are graduated according to your playing time and your performance level. And since he hasn't made any Pro Bowls, uh, his number for a left tackle is not that high. It's $14.75 million uh, for 2024. So, you know, that's not a ton of money for a really good left tackle. And they consider him to be a really good left tackle. So I don't think necessarily they view him the way a lot of other people seem to, based probably on some of those rankings. Um, But I think the key, too, is to see how – does he block for Deshaun Watson? That's what it's going to have to look like this year uh, to see what they want to do with him going down the road in, term, in terms of the big long-term deal. Let's out, see how he does for this very mobile dual threat quarter, quarterback 
Um, you know, how, how does he adapt to all of the things that Deshaun can do? And, you know, he can make himself a, a very nice payday if he can do a great job with that. Okay, this question is going to ask you to rack your brain a little bit. I have an answer for it as well. But um, Brian from Minnesota. Hey, Mary Kay. Who in your time covering the Browns can you remember being dramatically different from the end of a season to the off-season starting? Hmm. Is there anyone who stands a, out? That You know, that's a really good question. I might not <laughs> be able to answer it until tomorrow when we do the second half of the, <laughs> of the haze because I feel like I have to really think about this for a minute. I mean, it's a really good question. So do you have somebody in, in, in mind, Dan? The one I thought of was um, Richard Higgins. Mm-hmm. If you remember, he kind of came out of nowhere the one year and had a really nice off-season program. Uh, was that Baker's rookie year? I think mm-hmm. I, I can't. Yeah. So, and then he kind of turned that into a couple nice seasons. Um, you know, we haven't really heard much from him since, but that, that was the one that kind of jumped to my mind that he kind of went from being a guy that um, really hadn't done anything to like, Oh, he's showing some things in this off season program to ending up being a, a pretty significant contributor for that team um, pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely one. Um, I, I'd have to, like I said, I feel like I need to give this one a little bit of thought and see if I can come up with something. Um, because right now, no one is really jumping out at me in terms of somebody that kind of wowed us the next season after being kind of, you know, just there. Now, one one player that I will say, although he had been sh- making strides, um, this past year, Sione Takitaki really came out and did a nice job. Um, but I, I wasn't shocked about it because, you know, I feel like he's been really good at stopping the run and he had been making progress over the years. So I don't know if he really fits the category of somebody who you kind of had, uh, you know, wondered if he was even going to make the team to coming off the mat and, and really uh, making something of his career. Yeah, it's really hard to tell in the spring because those practice, especially now, the practices are so tame. And, you know, obviously you're not seeing real football in the spring. You know, in training camp is really really when you start to kind of identify, oh, maybe this guy, you know, like Donovan Peoples-Jones had a really nice training. You, you know, you come away thinking, all right, the Donovan Peoples-Jones looks like he's ready to make some kind of jump this season. Um, so it, it really happens in training camp more than the spring, I would think, than you know, that guys, guys really show you that they're ready to make that jump, especially because now everybody shows up in shape or almost everybody shows up in shape. You almost, I mean, you never see guys show up in the spring out of shape or anything like that. So the the spring is really, I don't know. It doesn't show you a, a ton necessarily on the field. Yeah. I mean, it looks to me like these guys really did show up in really great shape. I was looking to see who had the, uh, you know, the little winter, belly going on. <laughs> uh, these guys l- look like they, uh, they really have been working out hard and that they took a lot, you know, like really, really good care of themselves. And um, so, yeah, right now I just, I can't really think of anybody who sort of just, you know, popped like that when you didn't really expect them to. Somebody, somebody probably will come to me. Um, but, but right now, I'm I'm not able to produce it. I miss the days when NFL players spent their off seasons. I don't I don't know what they were doing, eating fast food and working at like 
I don't know, department stores or something. And they showed up out of shape and no, nobody does that anymore. It's, it's so rare to see a player. I mean, it's like one guy will show up out of shape and, and that's it. These guys show up ready to basically play the season in April. Yeah. And if they don't, um, other guys, you know, coaches, you know, you'll hear little snide remarks and comments from, from other guys. I remember, um, you know, Miles made a few comments last year about maybe Jadavian not quite showing up uh, in shape. And, you know, you, you'll hear little things here and there. But, you know, for the most part, uh, these guys look ready to go. Okay, question from Bob Rupel in Novelty, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, should the Browns add a running back in the draft or go after one of the available free agents at a bargain price? You know what? Uh, running back is something that I think is pretty easy to draft usually um, or find somewhere along the way, especially with an offensive line uh, that the Browns have. You can plug somebody in back there and and they're going to get yards for you. So it's not a position that I'm super worried about uh, for them by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I think they are eager to see what Jerome Ford can do stepping in there. Um for in you know the Kareem Hunt role, they still have Demetric Felton. They've got John Kelly. You know, they're okay. I mean, it is a spot where you have to start to think about the future a little bit. So I could see them drafting one, um, and who knows? They could even draft one. Maybe you'll see one in the third round. Uh, but I, I don't think they're hard pressed to find one. I think that they'll be okay for sure for this year. I actually, when, when I saw this question, my thought was, I almost look at running back now, like, um, you know, we do the draft pods with Tim and Lance every week, and Tim has a philosophy, you should draft an offensive lineman every year. I think you should just draft a running back every year, like late in the draft. You should just, if there's a running back there, you should just draft a running back every year and just see if you can find a guy that can help you somehow, whether it's, whether eventually he becomes a featured back or um, just kind of becomes a, a gadget player or something like that. Just draft a running back every year. Interesting. Um, that that probably wouldn't occur to me except for, like as we mentioned before, um, now you have so much flexibility with that practice squad. It can't hurt uh, to have a couple of those guys around. And then also during training camp and and even during you know the practice week, you want to keep Nick as fresh as you possibly can. So it's nice to have some some other bodies in there. They don't have Dearness Johnson anymore this year. They don't have Kareem Hunt this year. So, I, you know, they're going to add someone somewhere along the line. And there are some guys in this draft that, that could maybe help you. And so, and, you know, we've seen it with, you know, Demetric Felton is a guy they drafted, you mentioned, um, although he's he's probably more of a wide receiver at this point. Jerome Ford was a late guy that they drafted. It seems like that's something, a position they like to add, uh, especially if a guy's got some traits and, and has the ability to catch the football. And they're also trying to find that guy that fits with Deshaun, right? That's the theme of this podcast and, and this offseason is finding guys that fit with Deshaun Watson. And, you know, Nick Chubb can run the ball behind anybody, but you know, who else can you kind of slide in there that, that really fits what you want to do with Deshaun? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Jerome Ford can do this year because you want somebody that can catch the ball out of the backfield or line up, you know, split out wide or in the slaughter or wherever else you might want to use them. Uh, because with Deshaun, uh, you are going to put so much emphasis on the passing game that you want your back to be able to be part of that. And you don't want it to be obvious that he's not going to be getting the football. Like you want to make sure uh, that people know that there is a chance that, that that back can get that ball 
any way, anyhow. Uh, and I think that you'll see Nick Chubb probably get the ball more in terms of um, as, as a receiver out of the backfield and, uh, and those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, that's one area to definitely look at. But I, I think that, uh, you know, you have to start thinking about Nick's replacement down the road, too. His contract is up after next year. And, you know, you have to really start thinking about where you're going to be going with that. And we know that the Browns like to get these guys into their system early when they're really young, develop them and have them ready to go. Okay, there we go. Our Monday edition of the Hey Mary Kay podcast here on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Like I said, we will be in Berea on Tuesday. We'll hear from Kevin Stefanski. We'll hear from some players as well. So uh, we'll go ahead and recap some of that here this week on the podcast. We'll have our usual draft podcast coming up on Thursday. All the good stuff, so just make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts if you can. And uh, also get subscribed to Football Insider. I told you about that earlier in the podcast. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get involved with that. Uh, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Sounds great.